My friends, it has been 26 days since Snow the Goalie dropped a brand new episode. Ah, oh, it feels like such a long time ago. Was it superstition? Was it the Flyers' run of excellence? Did we not want to break it up? I don't know. Could that be the reason that we've been non-existent? No, of course not. Anthony's busy. I'm busy. It's a terrible excuse, but we are back. For those Russ. who missed it, what? Russ, I'm, I'm going to stop what? this. I'm going to stop this incredibly ridiculous introduction. <laughs> so, yes, it's been 26 days since we dropped the last Snow the Goalie. But let's keep in mind that we did two episodes in a week, which we don't normally do. So the second episode counted for the following week. You sound then, so angry. Why do you sound so then, angry? Calm down. You're making it sound like we didn't have this discussion. And then, after that, we had the re- podcast roundtable with all of our friends from the other podcasts in the area. And that dropped last Saturday. So we're really only like two days, three days off from what we would normally be okay thank you you feel better now i do mr happy over there i guess the jt real mudo uh press conference <laughs> didn't didn't do quite enough for you still waiting for what sport for is news, what sport is that for news about your your bryce and your manny i thought it was really cute that you and bob decided to go uh, record cross stuff that was nice first time and what was that three months hey uh anyway so welcome back into uh, snow the goalie the only flyers podcast the people's podcast the players podcast the personnel podcast and for those who might have missed it that last one, the Personnel Podcast. Oddly enough, Anthony, this Friday we will be recording with none other than Flyers coach Scott Gordon. Yes, we will. And, so, and, get, by, and by the way, Russ, that's four days ahead. from now, which means that we'll have another episode out, oh, within a week. That is true. <laughs> We're going to do two in a week again. Here we go. <laughs> we, we, should be, we need to get paid more for this. Uh, anyway, look, um, for those who might have missed it, of course, you know, you might be sitting there saying to yourself, hey, you know. Russ Anthony, why is it that you would want to get Scott Gordon? Didn't you guys just have them on a week ago at the Flyers Roundtable? And yes, of course, that is true. However, uh, for those who have listened to the episodes that we've done in the past, especially interviews with people, we don't like to just touch on hockey. Of course, that part is is important. And, and there are going to be some specific questions that we're going to ask Scott Gordon about, you know, what he's done with this team and, and what he's seen in his time here as the coach and what the plan is going forward. But just like any other interview that we do, there's going to be plenty of not hockey stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, we, yeah, we like to put a human face, <laughs> and I say that it's kind of weird to say it in that way, but we really do like to put a, a you know, a, show a little bit of their personality and, and let them be themselves, let them be the individuals that they are, uh, rather than be you know the <laughs> the celluloid heroes of hockey uh, that we see on their televisions all the time. So um, it, it's nice to it's nice to actually get to know these people as people and not just as hockey personalities no i agree and and look i i think we've gotten really good feedback in the past about the way that we handle these interviews but because we are the people's podcast we will request that if you are looking to get a question through or a comment through to scott gordon um be sure to to send it over to us uh at ant san philly on twitter at joy on broad on twitter both of our twitter handles are linked in the description of the episode all you have to do is click on one of them and uh, you'll be redirected to our twitter page follow us there Everything's great. And then, of course, you can follow us uh, when we do the Press Row Show, which uh, that's a whole other thing that we're going to talk about in a little bit from our uh, our friends at Switchboard Cloud. We'll make sure that we, uh, you know, thank the people who uh, got our technology set up and, and running very well. But um, look, I, I think that's going to be exciting. Tomorrow, of course, uh, I, I'm going to go down to the link in the afternoon. I, I think Kyle and, and Craig, our video guy from Crossing Broad, are supposed to be there as well. Um, but we're going to go down because the uh, the ice is being laid at the link in anticipation of the February 23rd Stadium Series game against the Penguins, and we'll be doing some stuff on the site for that, so that should be a lot of fun. 
Um, so keep an eye on an eye out for that. And then, of course, Friday, we're going to go down to Voorhees, interview Scott Gordon. And then later that afternoon, there's going to be a media press availability with uh, some flyers and some eagles. So, of course, we'll be doing some more content there. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled to the site because there's uh, there's a lot coming this week. Yeah, it's you know we got a lot going on and uh, it's good stuff. It's uh, you know it, it, the interesting thing is Ross and I think that what we're gonna you know really kind of when we start diving into the topic here um, is, is there's some renewed interest I want to say uh, in the Flyers because you know they got on a good run and you know they kind of sort of you know got themselves back into people talking about the playoffs. Um, and you know I'm going to break. The who? You know the I'm going to. You know I'm going to break down the the reasons why they're not going to make the playoffs um, on this show because I did it on the press row show, but that was only for a small segment of our audience. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody on the Snow the Goalie uh, who who listens to Snow the Goalie can also hear my brilliance about the. <laughs> reasons the Flyers are not going to make the playoffs. Um, you make it sound like I'm going to take a different stance, and of course I'm not because the Flyers right now sit, uh, you know, eight games or eight, eight points, points out yeah. of the playoffs. So uh, it, it's, you know, a mathematical impossibility that they're going to make the playoffs. Anthony, I would, I would never advocate for this team somehow. Uh, I would recommend, play- <laughs> I would recommend that every snow, the goalie listener hit pause right now and then go back to, uh, either of our, um, uh, Twitter handles and find the link to yesterday's Snow the Goalie pregame show. The Press Row or, Show, yeah. Or uh, Press Row press row Show pregame yesterday. And just watch Russ be fanboy it up because it that's exactly what he did. It wasn't fanboying. It, they were six points out going into the game in, against Pittsburgh. And for those who might have missed it, who weren't tuning into the Press Row Show, I merely said that had the Flyers managed to beat Pittsburgh last night in regulation, it would have been a four-point gap. And then it does get interesting, although, in fairness, and I know that you are going to do this because hashtag fake news, um, I did say that a big part of that was I don't think that the Flyers are really trying to catch Pittsburgh. I think they're in a scenario where I can see a, a path to the Flyers potentially contending for the playoffs with Columbus bottoming out at some point. Carolina doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, and I'm really not that impressed by Buffalo. Then again, why should I be impressed by the Flyers? We'll get into it. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll and we'll talk about it. now. We're, we are recording um, just as a reminder for everyone who's who's tuning in. We are recording uh, just before the game Tuesday night in Minnesota. Um, so it, it's interesting that you you mentioned those teams, um, Columbus and Carolina. You know, actually, one of the things that uh, I was looking at today, and it's worth probably mentioning since we do so much gambling now on on Crossing Broad. There's a lot of smart money going on. Minnesota, Columbus, and Carolina tonight, which is all negatives for the Flyers. Yep. Um, if, if you look at uh, uh, Vegas, uh, Vegas's tickets going into the game tonight, a majority of the tickets are being are uh, are betting the Flyers to win the game. Um, but uh, even though fifty six percent of the tickets are on the Flyers, seventy six percent of the money is on Minnesota. Seventy percent uh, of the tickets are on Washington tonight 60 percent of the money is on columbus in that game and then carolina um 52 percent of the tickets are on ottawa 71 percent of the money is on carolina so it goes to show you that the public bets one way but the smart money goes the other way not to say that the smart money is always correct because it's not um actually it, it really is you know right around 55 percent um overall but when you start to see that you I mean that people are looking for uh, those little you know advantages in the margins of gambling that you will find that all three of those games that are important to the Flyers tonight um, pregame and again like I said we're recording pregame um, are favoring uh, are not favoring the Flyers or going against what the Flyers need to happen in those games tonight woof 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 
All right. Uh, how do you want to break this down? Do we? I think Kyle uh, will be proud of me for that, won't he? I think he will be. Maybe okay, you'll just, uh, maybe be allowed to uh, do a little bit of sports betting stuff for the site. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Say no more. Um, I, I don't know how you want to do this because you know, as you mentioned at the start of the show, we we did the the roundtable last week, so it's not as if we haven't been talking about this team. And I think a lot of people who listen to our show listen to it and watch the press row show. So. I don't think we necessarily need to go back and dissect each and every game that happened over the course of uh, the the point streak that the Flyers had going uh, until last night, uh, until Monday night against Pittsburgh. Um, but I, I think we can hit on a, f- a few general topics here. One of them, of course, is the play of Carter Hart um, and, and just how impressive he's been in this streak. And I, I'd even go as far as to say that Anthony Stolarz, to me, has done a good enough job that even though the reports came out at the end of last week that Brian Elliott was working his way back, could be ready to go, I guess, within, what, two weeks. Um, th- to me, I look at this and I say, man, if if you can go into next season, if Anthony Solars is able to stay healthy down the stretch here and spell Carter Hart after a few starts and is able to put together the kinds of performances that he did against, uh, what was it, Boston and uh, what was the... Rangers. And, and the Rangers, yeah. Um like that to me is is a solid backup goalie. It's somebody that fans have heard about and and that the media has talked about for what feels like five or six years about this this lumbering large you know larger than life kind of guy. If he's able to stay healthy and you can go into next season with minimal money committed to that position, it would be fantastic. I know that you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on this, but I, the goaltending, especially young goaltending, has carried this team over the last 12, 13 games, and it really has been impressive to see, to, to say the least. Yeah, it has, and I mean, you know, we don't have to really, you know, d- dwell on Carter. I mean, Carter Hart's been fantastic. I mean, there's not one person uh, who's watching hockey who will think otherwise. I mean, he's been really, really, really good. Um, didn't have a great game. Monday against the Penguins um, I think he'll tell you and well actually he did he told us uh, in the scrum after the game um, I was scrum lurker for a Carter Hart interview I was behind him and Lucky. on camera yeah scrum lurking like you usually do um, but uh, he even said then you know he thought that he should have had the second goal uh, which was Nick Bu- uh Bustead's goal, um, even though it deflected a little bit off of Provorov's stick, it still it didn't change that much direction, and it was one that probably should have stopped and got kind of under his arm uh, a little bit and got through. And then the wraparound goal um, uh, by uh, Jake Gensel um, in the third period, um, he was a, a little back in the net a little bit there, and um, the, the puck kind of gets under on a wraparound, gets between his pads and goes through the five hole. That's one that he probably wants to stop. Um, you know, and the first goal Crosby scored w- w- was one that he just, you know, everybody lost sight of it except for Crosby. I mean, the entire, every player on the ice was looking for the puck in the corner and it took a crazy hop off the glass and came to Crosby on the other side of the net where he was waiting by himself with nobody near him. It was probably the easiest goal he's scored in his NHL career. Um, so, you know, you you can't really sit there and say anything negative about Carter. You know, of all the games Carter Hart has played, you know, the one in Carolina where he kind of got pulled after one period where he didn't look good, and then his probably second worst game was last night. And even then, he wasn't terrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's there's not a lot bad you could say about him. I guess the, the conversation is more right now about Anthony Stolarz, who gets the start against Minnesota. Um, uh, tonight, like I said, we're recording before the before the game. Um, 
it, the question being, you know, is he a guy that you can rely on moving forward as a backup goalie? And I know we do we do differ in our takes on this, and you think he he can be. And I'm not saying that saying that he can't be an NHL backup because I certainly think that Anthony's got that. Uh, ability to be an NHL backup goalie, but I think that the situation that you want here next season is you want a veteran guy to be in place behind Carter Hart. You can't just assume that after playing 30 games this year, 35 games, whatever, Carter Hart's going to end up with, and having an off-season of film review and really getting to know him, that the, the second, third times teams see him, that they're not going to have a little bit more success against him. So you can't just assume that that's not going to happen. Um, it's a lot like a pitcher going through a lineup a second or a third time, right? So you can't just assume that he's going to be just as good. You hope he is, and, and there's a lot of belief that he will be. But it would be better to have a veteran goaltender in place um, to kind of, kind of take a little bit of that pressure off so that if Carter Hart struggles for a few games that you can go to a veteran guy for a couple of starts and not have to worry about him being flustered or him being you know still kind of a little green uh, himself like Stolarz would be. So I think that it would be better if the Flyers ended up with a veteran guy. Now, you mentioned Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott, I think, is somebody who the Flyers would like to see get a couple of starts prior to the trade deadline, Um, because if he does get in a couple of games and looks good in those couple games, he could be a guy that the Flyers could move at the deadline. And then Stolarz can get, you know, six starts the rest of the year after that. And then you sit there and say, okay, here's a sampling of Anthony Stolarz. That's 15 games for the year. Um is that enough for us to think to maybe bring him back? Or does he appeal to somebody as a potential backup for a offseason trade and you bring in a veteran guy to back up Carter Hart? So I think that the, the that, that Chuck Fletcher is going to be looking to do a little bit of a, a juggling act with the goaltenders, obviously with Carter Hart playing most of the games, but, but with maybe getting Elliott some time to see if he's worthy of moving in a deal and to really get an assessment of Stolarz as a potential backup goalie, if not for the Flyers and for somebody else in, in the NHL. For those who are wondering, I guess for clarifications purposes of, of you know, we've gone through a, a goalie carousel this year. Um, the idea of, you know, are any of these guys on the books past this year? The correct answer to that is only really uh, Solars, who's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, guys like Mike McKenna, Michael Neuver, uh, fan favorite Michael Neuver, and uh, Brian Elliott are all UFAs at the end of the year. So, you know, in terms of money that's committed to that position, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Stolarz well, would, got, would got Al, still got Alex netting. Lyon. Yeah. Um, who's under contract. I'm, I'm just double-checking right now to see. Uh, he's got a, he's, he'll have the second year of his two-year deal, and he's and it's an NHL only. So if he isn't making the big club, he's going to have to be clear waivers to go back down to the Phantoms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking for Which his. Which I think no, is I'm, I'm looking for his number right now. I'm not seeing it on a cap geek. We'll find it for later. Oh, there it is. Uh, Alex Lyon next year is going to make $750,000. And then we know that Felix Sandstrom is is going to be coming over to play at the AHL level. I don't believe his number is going to count against uh, the the team's cap number he's slated well, to make 792,000 next year no, no but that will only be he, he'll he'll be on a two-way contract and so that will be um only if he's playing in the nhl minor league contract 
at that level is probably in the neighborhood of eighty thousand dollars. Okay, that's my guess is what they'll be is what he'll be making, but it will not count against the Flyers cap. And the other guy who's going to um, come over, whether he's on the Phantoms or he's assigned to Reading of the ECHL. Um, but uh, uh, as I was told um, in my interview, interview with assistant GM Brent Flair, uh, is uh, Kirill Ustamenko, uh, who will uh, be coming over from Russia and playing uh, with uh, the Flyers uh, organization in some capacity next year. It could well be with Red, the Reading Royals of the ECHL, uh, or it could be with, uh, with the Phantoms, so uh, to be determined, but he will be here as well. Uh, you know, when you think about if the Flyers could possibly try to trade Brian Elliott if he is able to be healthy before the deadline and gets a couple of good starts, in, you look at what a team like Vancouver did. Um, they made a, a trade for uh, Marek Mazenik. Um, they got what was this, a seventh round pick, if I remember correctly. Not something that is necessarily, you know, a, uh, a heck of a deal. It's not something that you're looking for high value, uh, you know, for a guy like Brian Elliott. But you know, maybe if he puts together a couple of, of competent starts, you know that he's proven in this league and he can come in and, and be a solid backup for a contending team. Or if, I, I don't know, I can't really see much of a scenario where there are that many young goalies across the league right now that need a veteran backup. But if you did, you could certainly do worse than Brian Elliott. Of course, the problem has been after core muscle surgery, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So yeah, puts, I mean, puts him in a, a bit of a tough spot. And I, I but no, but the if rest you, of the but league you, knows that too. But if you package him, Right. Yeah. Like if he's part of a deal f- with someone else, like there was that report that, you know, Wayne Simmons and Elliot to Vegas. Well, OK. I mean, that, you know, that could work. You know, that could be something that could help entice the deal to, to, to happen. So it'll be interesting to see to see what happens. But the, the fact of the matter is, Russ, is we sit here and we can talk about trades. And the reason that we can sit here and talk about what the Flyers will trade away from this roster is because they're not going to be a playoff team. They're just not. And the reason that they're not going to be a playoff team has nothing to do with the fact that they lost the game to Pittsburgh, although that does help make my argument a little bit stronger, I do admit. Um, but the, the the reality of it was was that the Flyers would have needed to play hockey over a 39-game span from when they started their run of 10-1-1, which is now 10-2-1, so 13 games ago. Um, they would have had to go from 13 games ago in mid-January to the end of the season playing at a pace that only the Tampa Bay Lightning is playing at this season. So the Flyers would suddenly have to become the best team in hockey for 39 games. And coupled with that, they would need three of four teams, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Buffalo, to all play 500 or worse. That's a lot to ask for. And that's only being six points out of a playoff spot. Now they're eight points out, right? And technically they're really nine points out because they're so far behind in regulation wins behind both Pittsburgh and uh, Columbus that even if they tied them, those teams would win on a tiebreaker. So really they're nine points back of those teams. Columbus has games in hand on the Flyers. Um, you're really looking at an uphill battle that is, yes, can they win this game against Minnesota and then take two from a bad Detroit team in a home-and-home this weekend and all of a sudden everybody's ecstatic again? Sure, of course they could. But the reality is is that as you're going to play more of these teams that are in the race, you're going to be talking about three-point games where a game goes to overtime and the loser still gets a point out of it and so you really aren't making up that much ground. So there are a lot of things that could go that could go wrong that are really outside of their control. And I don't think that Chuck Fletcher's in a position where he can sit there and say, let's try and 
make this playoff push and not make the changes to this team and and then come up short. He can't be in that spot. He that the Flyers have to look towards the the 2019-2020 season, which I will put on the record right now, and I've kind of said in the past, but I will say it right now that with only a couple changes that this team next season is a legit contender in the Eastern Conference um because I think that that's where they will be you know after you know after a summer of you know from february to july the changes that that are going to be made plus what they have in house i think this is a legitimate contending team and it's going to be an exciting season for the flyers fans next season you have to consider that at this point and not try and make some kind of arbitrary crazy run to the final playoff spot and then if by some crazy miracle you get it <laughs> have to play the tampa bay lightning in the first round and just get your doors blown off for what purpose? Like it, none of it makes sense to me. Like I think that it really makes more sense to think 2019, 2020. Define for me what a, a contender would look like next year. Are we talking like a top three team in the conference? Well, I think they're definitely top three in the division next year. Um, whether well, that's mean, top three, I mean that doesn't mean. Too well, much. I mean you don't know. When you, when I mean, you say I mean, contender, see contender so, to me says top three, right. top four in the conference. So you're saying or, top well, three in their well, own division. Well, so so here's okay, but here's the thing. Looking at, I mean, it's so hard to gauge because you don't know who's going to do what in the offseason, right? But Tampa's built for the long haul. They're they're the best team in, in all of hockey and will be among the best teams in the Eastern Conference next year. Toronto is built for at least the short term. Until they they're, lose uh, Mitchell Marner to the Flyers on an RFA sheet when Chuck yeah. Fletcher <laughs> Could. goes full Could out. I, no, but I, nuclear, I, I, they'll figure out something. Winter. I think Toronto's going to figure out a way to keep Mitch Marner, but they're, but they're really in a tough spot. But nevertheless, even if – let's say they lose Mitch Marner, they have enough talent there otherwise that I think that you know they're still among the best teams um, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. So those two are, I think, your class of the East. And then there's another group. And then I think the Flyers can get into that other group. And that other group will consist of your Bostons, your Washingtons, your Pittsburghs. Hell, the New York Islanders have proven that they're a, they're a tough out this year, right? I mean, they're they're not going to they're going to they have a real shot to win the Metro. And the road to the, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals is going to go through Brooklyn, um, which no one expected. Um but so, like, you you have that next tier, and I think that the Flyers can elevate themselves into that next tier. So, could they be the third best team in the East? Sure. Um, could they be the seventh best team in the East? Sure. You know what I'm saying? But they're going to be somewhere in that mix, and that's good. And and once you're in that mix, you have a real shot. And especially since the Metropolitan Division isn't as strong as the Atlantic, so it might be competitive, more competitive, more teams that are kind of bunched together. But you have a real chance to be the best team in your division, uh, even if you're not, you know, top two in the conference. You still have the best ch- a chance to be the best team in your division as soon as next season. Okay, I, I can definitely understand it. I can see a path forward. I, you know what? I think this is where it is. I think the reason people were so excited by this uh, this winning stretch is just knowing that there there is more to this team than we saw at the the end of the Dave Hackstall tenure and at the beginning of, of Scott Gordon taking the team over. You know, I, I think that people didn't want to see that this thing was going to be as bleak as it looked. You know, we, we had talked ad nauseum about guys like Jake Voracek not really stepping up, about Wayne Simmons struggling, you know, just with his, his own physical health and, and just not having the jump. Well, boy, did he look like a rejuvenated player. It looked like Wayne Simmons went back to, like, 2016 Wayne Simmons, uh, you know, against Pittsburgh. Yep. James Van Riemsdyk had a really awful start to the year. He managed to turn it around for a stretch. Uh, he's He's 
kind of gone missing a, a little bit here recently, but there was a, a, an extended stretch where he looked like he'd finally kind of turned that corner. We saw Nolan Patrick get a little bit of confidence going. Um, Voracek, to me, I think is the most concerning of them. I want to talk to you about that uh, in a moment. Claude Giroux has had his ups and downs. Um, I, of course, got ripped on Twitter because I, uh, I happened to mention the fact that I didn't like the penalty at the end of the game. I still can't figure out what the slash was. If the slash was called on uh, him on Murray, then I totally agree. Like, it was a nonsense call. I think it was a nonsense call regardless. I thought that they called a penalty against uh, Giroux for turning around and, and taking a shot um, at the Pittsburgh player, but whatever. Um, Giroux, to me, has been very up and down this season. He's made that switch from wing to center back. Um, Sean Couturier, who had such a rough start to the season, now... Granted, he didn't have a training camp, so he the first 12 or so, first 11, 12 games of the season ended up serving as his training camp. And once those games had passed, he really became, you know, the excellent version of Sean Couturier that we saw last year. And people thought might have been an aberration. Well, no, it, it really does look like Sean Couturier is, is here. He's here to stay. And he is a, a much better player than I think anybody could have even hoped for, and, even with him coming into the league as, as young as he was. And might have the best contract in hockey yep most team-friendly contract in the nhl i i would argue that he does at four and a half million for the next four years yep it's it's unbelievably team-friendly doesn't become ufa until 2022 2023 it's it is it is a remarkable deal meanwhile and you know i was nice about jake Voracek on the press row show yesterday and somebody said oh you're just kissing up because you want him to unblock you on twitter nay you look at Voracek's contract and that's that's eight and a quarter million through the 2023-24 season now, I, I want to bring this up to you because we've talked a, a lot about the possibility of Wayne Simmons and Shane Gostisbehere being traded at the deadline. Of course, Simmons was most recently mentioned, as you referenced earlier, with a, a package to Brian, with Brian Elliott to Vegas. I look at this, at this uh, Jake Voracek contract, and I say, all right, you know that going into next season, you're going to roll with roughly $30, $35 million in cap space. You'll have uh, Wayne Simmons' contract off the books regardless I look at Jake Voracek's contract and I say, man, if if I can offload that either before the deadline or I can offload it at the draft, I've got to do it, right? And and I know that, you know, there's been a a long or large contingency of people that have said, you know, time and time again, yeah, but think about what he can be. Think of the playmaker that he has been. Think of the the raw physical tools that he has and the, the vision that he's got, the creative ability. And I say, where has it been? You know, like there have been so many games this season where he has just gone MIA. And then he has a game like he did, what was it, two games ago, you know, 10 seconds left on the clock and he goes, he goes uh, top shelf and takes you to OT. And it's, it, it's frustrating because you see those flashes, but we're not seeing those flashes as much as we used to and as consistently as we used to. Yeah, I mean, he's having a down year. There's no doubt about it. He's got 48 points through 56 games. He's a minus player. I know, I know that's, you know, the, the analytics crowd is going to go crazy that I say he's minus 13 that oh plus minus doesn't mean anything well it, it, you're right in some respects but in other respects you're, it does have a meaning um, but uh, the, the fact is, is that guys go through this guys have those you know down years now when you say it's a down year he's got 48 points in 56 games which you know if he st- keeps up that pace he's looking at a 70 point season right I mean which is not <laughs> Is not terrible. I mean, it's it's still pretty darn good, but you expect a little bit more from Jake. So, you know, you, you know, it could be a quiet seventy point season. It could be that he gets a little bit hot here. Maybe he does a little bit better than I. Who knows? The, the point is, is that um, he struggled 
mightily at the beginning of the season. Part of the reason why the Flyers found themselves with the worst record in hockey about a month ago, right? Um, but but Jake, you know, he's got a point in seven straight games now. He's finally starting. We're finally starting to see a little bit more from him. Yeah, he's a veteran. You shouldn't wait till game, you know, 42, 43 to, to really start get going, but um, in a season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, I I think it's hard to, to try and move that contract. I think that they could try to do it and see if they can get something for it. Um, but I don't think it's going to necessarily happen um, unless you find a team that can create the cap space that thinks that they're a contender that can fit that contract. Boy, that, that's a tough road to hoe, though. I think Vorchek's going to be part of this next year, just like Couturier and just like Giroux. And they're the three forwards that you build around. Uh, you mentioned Van Riemsdyk. He's the one that's bothering me. He's the one that, you know, he got going there for a little bit, and now the last handful of games kind of looks like he's back to, you know, skating on the outside, being a little bit behind the play, not being physical along the wall, not getting to the front of the net. Like those things are starting to happen again. Again, just the last handful of games and it starts to concern me. And so then when you see in the game yesterday against Pittsburgh on Monday for if you're listening later in the week, um when Scott Gordon changes his lineup after the first after a sluggish somewhat sluggish first period, and he goes back to Giroux with on the wing with Couturier in the middle and Voracek on the right. He now demotes JVR and he demotes Travis Konechny. Konechny all the way to the fourth line. Konechny is the one that concerns me. Go ahead. Well, they both concern me. They both concern me. But at least Konechny, in my mind, is still a young player who you can try and work with, figure it out, whatever. And if it doesn't work... You know, you're carrying a guy on a on a much smaller contract right now, and you have to make a determination of where he fits um, going forward when you have to give him his new contract. But JVR is locked in for four more years at a ridiculous sum of money, and that's what that's why it concerns me because it because that has a greater negative impact on the ro- on the roster right now than Travis Konechny not playing well. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I yeah. So th- that's why it's to me it's that's the big greater concern and. If Chuck Fletcher could move that contract, I think that would be the one, more so than Voracek, that would be a contract to try and get get out of here because I don't I don't necessarily know that he fits what the Flyers are trying to do. It will be interesting to see what they end up doing. Um, Shane Gossespierre, we've talked about him a, a ton. We've talked about him a lot on the Press Row show. Had a little bit of a, a better game, I think a better showing um, on Monday night against Pittsburgh than he has in, uh, God, I would say even what the previous six games. Yeah. He um, he kind of looked like back to being back to somewhat of his normal form, taking shots from inside the blue line, getting himself, getting pucks on net. Um, he he looked a little bit more confident. Confidence, been the, confidence has been the word of the season, right? But he, he did look better. He still doesn't look... He doesn't look comfortable. It, they have not been well, able to find two coaches this season who have been in charge have not been able to find a um, a defensive pairing that works with Shane Gostaspare that is able to maximize his skill set while also providing the coverage you need on the backside, knowing that Gostaspare is not a defensive defenseman. Yeah, I mean, he got another assist uh, in the, on the one goal last night, um, and uh, he did take three shots uh, on goal. Um Played 21, more than 21 minutes last night, which is, uh, you know, that's about average for him. I mean, he's averaging, I think, 20, 20 minutes per game. So we got about an extra an extra minute, and that's more so because at the end they were really trying to, to, 
you know, get as many offensive guys out there as possible to try and, you know, get back into the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you really, you really look at it. His numbers are way, way down. I mean, he was a 65 point player last, last season, 13 goals, 52 assists, 65 points, had a very good year that was much more reminiscent of his rookie year when he was second in the Calder trophy voting, um, in behind, uh, our, our Timmy Panarin, um, and yet this year he's got five goals, 18 assists, 23 points. Um, he's a minus 14 for whatever, for whatever that's worth. Uh, here's the thing that's, that's really interesting to me when we talk about the shots, right? So, uh, he last season, he, um, took 221 shots, uh, for the season, uh, had a shooting percentage of 5.9%, which is not bad considering he's a defenseman, right? I mean, usually the forwards have a better shooting percentage than that, but but for a defenseman, shooting percentage 5.9%. So far, he's taken only 130 shots this season, so he's not gonna he's likely not going to come close to that 221 number that he put up last season, and his shooting percentage is down to 3.8%, okay? Um, which is, I mean, that's a 2% drop. So that means that he's, those are, and those are just shots on goal. Okay, that's not even counting the shots that he's missing, and I think that he's missing a lot more this year as well. So he's not the shots he's not getting good shots on goal. His shots are missing, and I think that's why his shot total is low. And then when he does get them on goal, he's not getting them. He's not getting as much on his shot as he used to. Um, so there's just something just not right with with Shane and the way he's shooting the puck. So is it possible he's injured? I guess anything's possible. I mean, look, every hockey player is injured, okay? You don't play, you know, every game of a season. And he's played, what, 53 of 50, what have they played, 56 so far? Um, I think he missed three games. Um, You don't play that many games and not have some kind of malady, (laughs) okay? There's going to be something that's nagging you, something that's bothering you. Um, But uh, I, I I would sit here and say that, while that's a possibility, I don't think that's the reason that he is not himself. He's turned into a little bit of an every other year player. Because if you recall back to the 2016-17 season, that was the season when Hackstall sat him in the press box. Um, he only had 39 points that year uh, in 76 games, 7 goals, 32 assists, which is a lot similar to what he's going to probably end up with this year. He had 198 shots. Um, which is probably what he's targeting this year, uh, and his shooting percentage was three point five percent. So it's very. This is a very similar year to 2016-2017, and I think that that's that's a cause for concern when you have a guy who's an every other year kind of guy. Um, so anyway, that that, that I, I still think that the, that this is a defenseman that the Flyers are going to move on from. It would not surprise me if it's at the deadline in two weeks. If it's not in two weeks, I definitely think it happens in the offseason, maybe as soon as the as draft night. And like we've been saying for the better part of the last three weeks, the better version of him has already emerged in Travis Sanheim. So, I mean, it's I, – and, yeah, and I every, mean, time, it, every time I say that, you go, well, you know, let's take into account, you know, yeah, he, he, he doesn't, doesn't have yeah, the shot. Have, but in terms of a guy – defen- in, in terms of a defenseman who can, who can drive play, who can, you know – um, work at a, at, a, at a highly competent rate on the offensive end. Uh, Travis Sanheim is that guy, and he is a much more defensively sound defenseman than Shane Gostisbehere is, was, or probably ever will be. So, yeah, you know, 
I, I think, if nothing else, that's been one of the positive things. By the way, another young defenseman who was called up to the roster this past week was uh, Phil Myers, who fans have been clamoring yep. for for quite a while. And um, I was looking to see if I could find if he was in the lineup tonight against uh, Minnesota. Haven't seen anything yet. But you've got to think that at some point he's going to make it in. Uh, we also know that uh, Sam Moran is working his way back, and at some point he will likely, uh, probably after the deadline, see some action. So I think you're going to have a better idea of what this defensive team or this defensive core can look like going into next season. Um, and of course, you know there's the uh, there's some looming defensemen on the horizon in free agency that you can always go for. So uh, you know I think it'll be an interesting thing to say or to see. Is there anything else you want to talk about about the Flyers before we move on to our last segment? No, no, I think that that's uh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good break. I mean, look, I know we're wrap we're going to want to wrap it up pretty quick tonight because uh, we are recording as a, as I look at the clock right now. It's eight oh three. I think the puck is going to drop in about five minutes, so uh, we don't want to miss Flyers Wild. Yep. So uh, I think we should move into our final segment. All right, my friends. So a uh, couple couple of quick notes. Um, it happens to be Anthony Sanfilippo's birthday on Wednesday, which made me think a, uh, a Sanfilippo-themed, birthday-themed, who's that flyer? Anthony. Oh, boy. Here we go. Your we birthday go. is February 13th. That is correct. There are only 22 players in NHL history who share your birthday. Really? And that only, surprises me. And of those 22, only one ever played for the Flyers. Name that flyer. <laughs> only one person who's ever born on February the 13th has ever played for the Flyers, yes. right? That's what you're calling to tell me. And I can tell you the answer to this, um, and the only reason I know this is because we shared uh, a cubicle <laughs> when I worked for the Flyers. Uh, he was in the, he was right there with Bob Kelly and I. Um, it was Friggy, Todd Fedorik, uh, and I share a birthday because uh, we, we celebrated together for a couple years when I worked for the team. So I figured that you were going to get it right. I figured that, that that would be too easy for you. So let me make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, okay. Another birthday-themed uh, Who's That Flyer? Yeah. <clears throat> Way back in the day, uh, there was a Flyers uh, player. I don't want to give this part away. It's going to be too easy. Um, this day in history, in 1973, this Flyer scored... Uh, three goals. No, sorry, tallied four goals uh, en route to the first 50-goal season in Flyers franchise history. Anthony, who's that flyer? Uh, Rick McLeish? That is correct. Well yeah. done. Proud of you. Was that on my birthday? It was, or was on your that... birthday. Yep, okay, on the 13th. See, back go. in 1973. You weren't born yet. I certainly was, was not born yeah, yet. So. Year before. year before I was born. So how about that? Look at that. You're quick on both of those. Yeah, All right, good. let's see if you can name any of the other players who were born on your birthday. Remember, there are 22 of them. Go. Oh, wow. I, you know, right, I actually know. Uh, let's see. Uh, you you want to you give me any clues? I, I, I think I know a couple. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I do know one. Um, uh, there's a Hall of Famer, actually, who was born on my birthday that I'm aware of, and that's Matt Sundin. That is correct. He's the only yeah. Hall of Famer. Oh, is he? He's the only okay. Hall of Famer so, born on so my birthday. Then I, then I won't guess any, anybody else uh, that was a Hall of Famer. I'm double-checking this one uh, because I, I'm i seeing who his teams are listed as, and it feels very wrong to me. No, I guess, wow, I'm, I'm confusing him with someone else. Okay, go ahead. Um, the only other one that I believe was my – that shares a birthday with me, if I remember correctly, is um, – Former uh, 
uh, goalie, um, Al Montoya. Al Montoya is correct. Yeah, yeah. That, but other than that, I couldn't. How many teams did Al Montoya play for in the NHL? A bunch. Jeez. Um, Five? Six. Six? Six Phoenix, yeah. the Islanders, Winnipeg, Florida, Montreal, Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, here, are, um, here are the other players. You ready? I, I, I couldn't tell you any, anybody <laughs> All else. Right. Nicholas Backstrom. C- oh, uh, really? Yeah. Is that what, the goalie or the... Uh, yes. Yeah, the goalie. Yes, the goalie. Okay. That's why I was All confused. Right. Uh, Nicholas yes. Backstrom, Cecil Brown, Patsy Callahan. Uh, Who the hell is Cecil Brown and Patsy Callahan? Hello. They were from back in 1928, Anthony. God. <laughs> uh, Kim Claxon. Uh, yeah, Kim Claxon, uh, who played for Quebec and uh, Pittsburgh. Sylvain Clotier. Mark Crawford. Luke DeFour. Oh, the coach. Yeah, Luke DeFour. Mark Crawford. Uh, Gaston Gringas. Gord Hampson. Zdenek Kutlock. Uh, the aforementioned Almontoya. Corey Murphy, Brad Norton, Daryl Roy. Brad Norton. Yep. I remember Brad uh, Norton. Everett San- Sanapass, uh, Grant Sasser, Wyatt Smith, Ben Street, Matt Sandin, uh, Veza Vitikowski, and uh, Huya Yolen. There you go. Who? Huya Yolen. Huya Lonen. That one. Yeah. <laughs> You're making that up. I'm dead serious. <laughs> there's, no, there's no name Hua. Huya Lonen. Huya or Juya or Yuya. J U H A, and then last name <laughs> Yuha Yuha Yelonen. Yeah, what did I? What? Yuha Yelonen. Yuha. Yuha Yelonen. Who Yelonen? Hey, Anthony. Who you loaning that money to? Huh? Happy birthday. Yeah, Yuha Yelonen. You filthy animal. All right, so we got that. Um, of course, now it comes to that point of the uh, the show that everybody waits for lovingly, longingly. We have five new five-star reviews, Anthony. It is five. 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 Wow. Somebody call Booker T. We've got the five-time, five-time, five-time podcast champion. <laughs> all right. Are you ready, my friend? Here we go. Yes, we go we always say that we are going to read all of the podcast reviews on the show. When we hit 100, we're going to do some kind of giveaway from CrossingBroad.com. So go over to iTunes and leave a review. All right. <clears throat> First one is from at uh, Justin Kent who says, due diligence, five stars. As a listener from the beginning, I believe this is the time to finally leave that five-star review. I'm on my daughter's iPad, tummy full of breakfast quiche, finally doing my due diligence. This podcast is not only for the fans of our beloved Philadelphia Flyers, but can also be used as a model of what the next generation of sports journalism should become. I love the Press Row Show and love making snarky comments for Anthony and Russ to read. I often wish that Anthony or Russ could Press Row from home... uh, from home for the away games but that is a little too much to ask thank you for participating on twitter and periscope allowing what little enjoyment there is in this god-awful wretched hellhole of a season this is continue to at me on twitter for fun during games and i will continue spreading the love for this podcast at justin uh kent hashtag thanks hack so he wants us to record from home yeah he wants us to so do a home you, you press think, you, you, think, you think nancy will let me move in uh you know what she already calls you uh my my other wife now so i don't know how to feel i, I don't know i don't know uh the next one we have is by ed golf's two uh who says behind the curtain exposed the perspective you guys provide far exceeds anything i can get anywhere else my dad and mom turned me on to the flyers in 1967 and i've been a fan ever since i have enjoyed your podcast so much i told my son he had to follow you and now we both listen religiously you have added one more avenue for us to share the team we love thanks much ed g that's nice. Oh, 
That's a good one, Ed. Thanks. Uniting fathers uh, and sons. That's what we're here for. Yes. Yes. Uh, the next one is by TKL17BEL. Love the podcast, but five stars. The recent roundtable part two was painful. Part one was great. BSH is my first stop every morning to read and reach links. I tried listening to their podcast and it is brutal. Shrill, shrieking voices battling for funny one-liners and takes. Part two turned into that. Snow the Goalie is something I look forward to each drop. I come here to listen to a conversation, listen to guests, and learn something. I get it. The roundtable is in every now and then format, but I turned it off. Keep up the good work and leave BSH to their platform. I was on panel two. How are you going to hate on me? TKL17BEL? Maybe you didn't hate me. He, maybe he didn't hate you, but then maybe he's just listening to this podcast for me. So there you wow. Go. wow, 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 wow! The only host <laughs> of the only Flyers podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, the next one is by Virevox, a friend of the uh, the Press Row uh, Show. Vire, Press Row Show. Virevox says, "Snow the goalie is hashtag excellent." Five stars. That's a, a running joke we have over there. If you uh, are not familiar with the Press Row Show, let's face it: there is a lot of lazy Flyers coverage out there. A sea of armchair GMs, as far as the eye can see, clickbaity articles that just exist just to drive traffic to certain fan sites or groups, and rampant spe- speculation that rarely seems to be based in reality or make any sense. As a former casual Flyers blogger myself, I always appreciate smart hockey minds who can intelligently speak to the issues we face as a team provide sensible speculation, and propose realistic solutions that actually make good hockey sense. Anyone who knows Anthony and the Flyers organization uh, well should know that his reputation precedes him, and he continues to be a trustworthy source when it comes to all things Flyers. I love the banter on the podcast between Anthony and Russ, and I always in- and I love enjoy... I en- love engaging with you. I swear I'm getting dyslexic. And I love engaging with you fine gents on the Press Row show between periods. So if you're looking for a fantastic source for Flyers information and entertainment, look no further. These guys and this podcast are truly hashtag excellent Vox. Nice. Nice. And we got one more. Awesome. We have one more that, uh, one. that that came through on Monday night. Oh, By great. 31 saves. Great hockey talk. Two exclamation points. Five stars. Interesting take. Or, yeah. Interesting take from writers that are obviously frustrated fans at heart. My only criticism would be sometimes Russ sits a little too far from the mic and it's difficult to hear. Keep up the good play, boys. <laughs> That's all we need. That's all we need is someone suggesting that you be louder and get more airtime. Ah, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely a thing of beauty. Well, a big thank you to uh, our five folks there who uh, wrote a five-star review, left it there over on iTunes. And again, follow Justin's model if you uh, are somebody who doesn't have an iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. Find a device that has iTunes on it. Go leave a uh, five-star review we love the five-star ratings it's fantastic that helps us in in itunes and getting our show out to more people but the five-star review is nice because we'll read that and uh we will get to uh you know have an idea of what you fo- fi- fine folks at whom like when stewie griffin there um so anthony anything else you wanted to hit on nope i'm good okay uh last thing i'm gonna go i'm I'm going to go watch the uh, watch the flyers. All right. Last thing to plug really quick is uh, those who have been checking out the Press Row show, if uh, you haven't been back recently and you thought, man, I really wish I could get that, but I wish the audio was better, uh, our friends over at Switchboard Cloud have been absolutely fantastic. We've been using new technology that's been using the mic that we use for the podcast um, and we've been able to use on Facebook Live. But if you've tried to use Periscope before on your phone, you'll know that you can't uh, attach an external mic. It's kind of a mess. So what we've uh, done now is we've partnered with Switchboard Cloud, and uh, we've been using their tech as a way to stream on 
uh, my Periscope, Anthony's Periscope, and the Crossing Broad Facebook page. And the nice thing has been we've been able to now add graphics. So it's a good thing. It's a it's a nice show. So if you're looking for Flyers coverage before uh, the game, uh, first intermission, second intermission of Flyers home games, check us out. Press Row Show. Again, that's on Anthony's Twitter handle. That's at Philly, Mine, at Joy on Broad, and the Crossing Broad Facebook page. If you're looking for something to do multi-platform streaming, check out Switchboard Cloud. They have a 14-day trial that you can use risk-free. It can get you onto things like YouTube, Twitch, um, Facebook Live, Periscope, and more. They can even allow you, uh, they can get you set up with your own custom RTMP that you can use to uh, stream your video elsewhere. So give them a, a look, give them a try. We love it. It's been fantastic. It's been easy to use, easy to set up, great customer service. So, uh, you know, give them a look. And, uh, hey, by the way, yeah. By the way, just to just to throw one last little nugget in. What's up, buddy? Because, like I said, the Flyers game is just about to start. Yeah. Uh, uh, Justin Bailey uh, in the lineup uh, replaces Michael Vorobiev. Yep. And just like you said last night. Just like I said last show. night. And, and as a matter of fact, just scored a goal. Whoa! <laughs> I think. Provorov took the shot. I think it hit Bailey. How about that? I, I yeah, it's 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 they're trying to determine if it's if it's uh, Bailey or if it's Provorov's goal, but I think it was deflected by Bailey. I don't know if you can find Barnum, but I just found Bailey in this Flyer season has been an absolute circus. Heyo! Nice. Yes. Anyway, anyway, so we'll that, be back. Something, we'll be back. We'll talk about uh, that on Friday. Yeah, I'm trying to think. We have no other Flyers home games this week until Saturday. We will have the yeah. uh, the episode with Scott Gordon will likely go up. I would think. Friday night or Saturday morning, and uh, it'll be nice. So make sure you keep an eye out for that and the stuff on the site. And uh, we will be back for the Press Row Show live from Wells Fargo Center on Saturday. So uh, make sure you check us out there. For Anthony, I'm Russ. Find us on Twitter. Links are in the description below. And we will talk to you again later this week.